Cold Bunch is about to bring one of the most exciting surf events New Zealand has ever had, the Piha Pro. Carl, welcome to Groundbreaking Comics. Thank you so much for joining us. Nice to be here, young fella. So I want to start off with some lightning round questions so everyone can get to know you. What is the strangest food you've ever eaten? I lived in China, so I've eaten a lot of strange food. Probably duck's feet. Horrible. Crunchy? You, you have to chew through horrific webbing only to be rewarded with bone. So it's not overly good. It's pretty grisly. And it was covered in a mustard sauce, which was, yeah, really grisly. At least chicken's feet usually come in nice sauce. Did it have any, like, meat? No. It, well, I, I th- don't think it had any nutritious what value at eat? all. Uh, you, it. You literally eat the whole thing. It's, um, and it's a delicacy there. So you're like, yeah, you're, you, it, it's a big thing that they have all the time at lunch. And also a whole toad, an entire toad. That was like, you know when you go to like KFC and like it's literally imagine that being an entire toad sitting on your plate. A toad? Yeah, like a um, little frog. Yeah, it was horrific. Wow. Yeah, and I vomited afterwards. <laughs> it was grisly. What is your favourite city in the world besides Auckland? Would say Auckland, so well done. Um, Istanbul or Paris? Epic cities. Okay. Maybe Barcelona too. What is something we could not find about you online? Um, Robert probably knows a heap around, um, around that sort of stuff. Uh, I was in the choir at school. That's probably unknown. Can't sing. No? What did you do? Sung <laughs> poorly. Um, I think I had a very understanding teacher. I was about your age, so um, I, w- I was trying to do anything. I think. So, where did you grow up, and what was it? What was your favourite memory as a kid? Um, I grew up in originally in a place called Pukakawa, which uh, is about half an hour out of Pukakoi, um, on a farm. Um, it was pretty cool growing up on a farm. I had my own rugby posts and my own cricket pitch. Um, so, I, 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 that's probably where my love of sport started. And I, I used to love the – I had a tree that I used to sit under and you'd eat Mickey Mouse ice creams. Or like, the, like the bubble bill of today, like that. So they, they look like Mickey and the nose was bubblegum. Did you like make go-karts or anything? We had little um, – and they weren't motorised ones, but they were little like wooden ones that you'd roll down the hills in. And, um, yeah, you could drive the, the truck and the tractor when you were like six years old, which was pretty cool. Um, yeah, that no, was fun. It was a good place to grow up. What did you think you were going to be growing up? Um, I always wanted to be a sports person, but um, apparently I wasn't very good. So I probably started looking at being a teacher, to be honest. Um, loved working with kids. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I wanted to, to be a teacher. Did you teach at all? Um, I worked at a, an after-school place, um, which basically revolved around me practising my rugby goal-kicking and the kids I was looking after would go and get the ball and bring it back to me. It was um, it was the best job. I can't believe I actually got paid for that. Wow. Mm. You decided to leave school at sixteen. What led you to that? I don't really know. Like, I, I, school wasn't really for me. Like, I, I've always done things differently to everybody else. Um, I, I'm, I'm not the brightest human on the planet. Um, but I think I've always been quite savvy with what I've done, and so I think me sitting. I was never going to care about learning English or maths or science when I was never going to be able to use it in my my real world life. Um, so, yeah, I, I sort of saw an opportunity to go and do something a little bit differently. I, I wanted to go and be a professional sports person at that time. Um, so, yeah, it was really about trying to to follow my passion. And luckily enough, I discovered early enough that I wasn't very good at sport and jumped on the other side of the fence. 
You've had an interesting career. Can you tell me about that journey? Yeah, well, from dropping out of school at 16, um, I've been very lucky. I, I think a lasting memory for me is my school teacher said to me one day, Carl, talking sport's never going to get you anywhere, and that really annoyed me, and so uh, I wanted to, to really go and prove him wrong, um, and that's all I've really ever done since, and so I've been pretty lucky that, you know, uh, from little old Pukekohe in New Zealand, I've been lucky enough to live in Doha, in Istanbul, Melbourne, London, Beijing, you know, and, and travel all around the world with sport, and um, worked with some pretty cool organisations, met some pretty epic people, and um, yeah, been very, very fortunate that I get to be paid to, for doing something that I would be doing in the pub with my friends anyhow. It's pretty cool. You talk about how important the little things are. Can you tell me more? I think when you get to a certain level, people, the big stuff doesn't matter anymore. Um, you know, so I, if I look at Serena Williams as an example, she's the most well-known female athlete on the planet, one of the most well-known athletes on the planet. She owns the Miami Dolphins. She owns a big chunk of UFC. She is worth more money than I'll ever know what to do with. So for me, the big things for her, she's used to. She gets them all the time. She can buy them. She can do whatever she wants. So for me, to stand out, I think the little things make a difference. So, um, And I think that, that translates to everything in business. It's you know, what sitting down, if, if we look at Robert as an example outside, sitting down and having a chat one-on-one with Robert over a whiskey is going to be far more impactful than standing up in a lecture theatre talking to him. Um, and so I think you know if you can figure out what motivates that person, what's actually going to be really important to that to that person, then it gives you an opportunity to um, to do things a little bit differently. Who do you admire for successful disrupting the sports business? Good question. Uh, UFC, I think, have done an unbelievable job um, from ten years ago at not really being a sport to being one of the biggest sports in the world now. One that I really, really like, and no one will know about this one really, there was a, there was a thing a couple of years ago called Nitro Athletics, um, and it, it kind of flipped athletics on its head. So um, it, I don't know if you've ever seen a 10,000-metre race, but it's you know, running 10,000 metres. It's a lot, 10 kilometres. takes about 25 minutes. The, uh, over that whole event, you might have 10 seconds that are actually interesting. The rest of the time is really boring. It's just people running around a track. Uh, everyone falls asleep during it. So they did a thing where every lap, the person in the last place was knocked out of the race. So now every 800 metres, you had a moment of reward and consequence. And I think that was really cool. I think if um, all sports need to create those moments that energise people and, and do create moments that matter more often. What changes and developments are you in sport are you keeping a close eye on? Um, I think sport's really challenging at the moment. Do you play sport? Uh, yes, I so play soccer and swimming. You do soccer and swimming. Um, I, I think those are two sports 20 years ago that a kid your age probably wasn't playing too much of in New Zealand. Um, so you know, I think we're changing. I think we're, um, we're spending more money than we ever have. I don't buy into the notion that we're not spending money on sport anymore. I think we're spending more money than we ever have. Um, we're just not doing it in traditional ways. So gaming so big, you know, what, what eSports is going to become. Um, I think technology in general is going to be a real change. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we're, we've constantly got to be looking for motivation from outside of our industry too. It's, uh, you know, uh, I think there's some other industries that are, that are entertaining us, uh, that are entertaining people better than what sport is at the moment. Can you tell me how the Pihau Pro World Surf event came about? Um, yeah, about three years ago um, I was in Germany and I was having a random chat to a friend of mine in tennis, um, 
I just started my business at the time um, and talking around what I wanted to be doing and the like. And he said, oh, my mate um, is the president of, of the World Surf League. You should have a chat to him about an event in New Zealand. I was like, I reckon that could work. Um, and so we just really, uh, a random conversation on a bus ride um, in Germany is, uh, yeah, has spawned um, something that's going to be pretty exciting for New Zealand, I think, over the next few years. Did everything go to plan when you were developing the idea? <laughs> no, not at all. I, I think starting anything very rarely ever goes to plan. Um, no, we've had heaps of setbacks. It's taken us three years to get here. Um, the event originally started in Ragland, not in Auckland. Um, and so, yeah, there's been a lot of change over the last three years. Um, yeah, the it's a pretty big project. It's, it's a fair few million dollars that we've got to put into um, running this event. Um, and so... I think anything where you're building something that doesn't exist from scratch in an area that doesn't have any infrastructure in some in a sport that's untested in New Zealand, it's um yeah it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty full on concept. So um, loads of stuff's gone wrong, but um, we're also pretty pumped around what's about to take place. How do you keep focused on the right things when building an event out? Um, I'm not sure I do, to be honest. <laughs> My team would probably say I don't. Um, I don't know. I, I think you, you fundamentally know we're all our own consumers. And um, I was really lucky. I worked for a chap called Chris Simpson uh, when I was about 18, 19. And every Friday we used to sit down and have a couple of beers and go, what are we doing this weekend? How do we make money off it? Uh, I think it was a really good learning. And I've taken that everywhere I've gone in the world of sport. We're all our own consumers. And so I think understanding what we would want to do out of an event is ultimately what the people that are going to be paying want to be doing as well. Um, and so... Yeah, I've been pretty fortunate that um, yeah, we're, I think I'm quite in touch with what people want as an entertainment experience and I've been able to try and put that, uh, prioritise that above everything else and I think if you do that, you'll succeed. What have you learned about convincing key stakeholders to work with you when you're a new business? Yeah, look, I, I, I think my best ideas haven't got the support that I thought they would. Um, so I think it's something I'm still trying to learn now. Um, yeah, there, there's passion and clearly articulating your vision I think is really important. I think the, the more people that know what you're trying to do, um, you know, by nature I think most people want to try and help. So I think um, yeah, letting people know what your, what your vision is and what you're trying to create I think is really important. But um, yeah, I think that's something you always keep learning. It, 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 there's never – I don't think you ever master relationships. I don't think you ever master how, how to – um, win at business, how to um, how to succeed in sales. I think it's a constant evolution. But um, yeah, if you're doing something you're passionate about, if you've got a clear idea, um, you've you've done your homework and clearly articulated how you're going to make it work, and then you're passionate about its delivery, then I think you stand a pretty good um, opportunity to bring the stakeholders with you. What was one of the biggest risks you have taken, and what did you learn from that? Moving to Beijing was probably a pretty big risk. Um, I had a pretty cushy life living in London um, and I was working for one of the, well, the biggest women's sports organisation on the planet at the time. I was lucky enough to have a great salary. Um, life in London was fantastic. Um, and an opportunity came up to move to Beijing, which I'd never been to China before. Couldn't speak any Mandarin. Um, still can't. Um, yeah, <laughs> don't, um, yeah, I, I, I have no idea why I really did it, but I, there was something in the back of my mind that said that would be a pretty cool experience and I'm more as a massive believer you're always a lot richer for travelling abroad, um, not necessarily financially, but in terms of it broadens your outlook on life, um, makes you understand people a whole lot better, 
and puts you out of your comfort zone. And I think doing that's pretty awesome. And so while it was a massive risk, it was um, it was one that yeah, I'm really glad I did. How do you spot new business opportunities and know when you're onto a good idea? Um, I think good ideas breed good ideas. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of the. Um, oh, I forget the name of the um, of what they call the theory, but ultimately having a number of projects on the go at once. Einstein, when he published the theory of relativity, in between starting it and finishing it, he published something crazy like 200 other pieces of work. Um, which as a scientist, that's pretty phenomenal. Usually you're sort of working on one piece. And I think he, the the notion there was that he was able to better tackle the his major project by doing a whole lot of other projects at the same time. Um, and I've kind of had that same view. I, you know, I, I've looked across a whole range of uh, industries and sectors and um, and events and I like it at all times. And um, I think you you see opportunities all the time. And if, you, if you're open to, um, yeah, if you expand your view to enable good ideas to flow through then you know it's amazing how many of them are out there there's more there's more money in this world than there is good ideas so um i think if you can broaden yourself to to try and find those good ones you'll succeed pretty well we all go through hard times what did you learn from your journey and how leaders can prep for those hard times yeah i think you've got to be really resilient um i I was really lucky to be honest I, i mean this i don't mean to sound cocky when i say it i didn't really fail in my career i was really fortunate coming through I left the ASB Classic when I was 32, so three years ago now, and I hadn't really had a setback in that time. You know, my career had always sort of progressed really nicely, and I was pretty cocky going into starting my own business, and I just can't stress how hard it is actually doing that. It's a different sort of stress. Um, you know, that you have to be really resilient. You, you, know, you, you get take one step forward and go five back, and... You know, you're, you're knocked over again and, you know, then you get up again and, you know, it's just a constant battle. Um, you know, but uh, I, I think learning to be resilient, learning to celebrate the small successes, um, you know, we're, it's something we don't do enough of. You know, there's there's loads of wins along the journey that, that deserve celebrating. You stress out about a load of little things that actually don't matter, but you don't celebrate the, the little things that do matter. Um, and I think it's really important that you do some of that. What advice would you give to young entrepreneurs to help them succeed? Um, be really realistic around your appetite for risk. Uh, it's no one knows how how hard it is to uh, to balance that risk until you're in it, um, and how hard it is to deal with the stress of uh, of a risky proposition until you're in it. Um, and so I, I think being really honest with yourself and what you're good at, what you're not good at, and what you're mentally capable of dealing with. Um, I think it's a really important one for entrepreneurs to to know going into a project. What do you think is an important issue right now that is not being talked about as much as it should be? Um, probably along the same lines as that last answer. I think um, mental health is a massive thing at the moment. It's uh, I, I think it's the biggest thing facing our um, our society at the moment. And as business owners, you and entrepreneurs, you're your mental health is a, is a bloody nightmare. You, you, know, you might have a bulletproof product that gets knocked back. Um, someone might beat you to the market. Someone, you get a bad review. You know, all these things along the way you know, are going to test your resilience, test your resolve, no matter how good you are. Um, and so I think you know, that's something that we all, you know, as the entrepreneurial spirit grows and grows, and it's amazing, kids like yourself, you're, you're far ahead of what I ever was at, at your age. Um, but I think learning to deal with the mental challenges of, of doing it as well and the setbacks is going to be an interesting one. I still haven't mastered that. 
What has surprised you the most from your journey thus far? What dreaming can do. Um, at, at your age, everyone dreams. You know, at, at, at our age, they don't. And I think that's something that you know, we, we lose that ability. It gets knocked out of us. The older we get, the less we take to dream. And I think dreaming's amazing. I think you know, the ASB Classic would never have become what it is today if I hadn't dreamed around what I thought it could be. Um, yeah, likewise, bringing surfing to, to New Zealand and the like, I think you've got to constantly dream. And, um, yeah, I don't know that that's, that's a skill that we, um, we focus in on enough. In fact, your parents usually tell you to stop dreaming. Um, and I think it's the opposite, always keep dreaming. Who inspires you? Yeah, good question. Um, oh, there's loads of people you take inspiration from. You know, I, I take loads of inspiration from chefs, which is really weird. But you know, I think restaurateurs these days are the true entertainers. We spend more money on dining out than we ever do going to events. Um, and so what are they doing right around an experience when ultimately we can all eat a similar product no matter where we go? So what makes a great restaurant really awesome? Like, what makes What's your favourite fast food chain? I have, don't really eat fast food. You don't eat fast food? Okay, good. You're so much better than me as a kid. Um, all of those places, to me, are ultimately the same, yet their experiences are why you become, you know, a burger's a burger by and large. So what makes that burger so good? Why? What is the environment that's made it so awesome? So I take heaps of inspiration from that. Um, I'm a young dad now, so I take, really oddly, I take a lot of inspiration now from other young dads that are doing cool things. Yeah, there's some amazing men out there that are role models for having young daughters and I, t- I take a lot of inspiration from them these days too. So as I'm, as I'm growing a bit older and getting less hair, I, I, start, um, I start caring about things in a different way. If you could go back in time, is there any advice you would give yourself? Um, yeah, I, I think enjoy the journey a lot more. I, I, I was a bit of a geek, mate. I, um, yeah, I, I worked real hard through my 20s. When, when friends were out partying and, um, and having a good time, I was, I was sort of grinding away... Um, you know, chasing the corporate ladder a little bit, um, which is, has been amazing. And it, it's meant that I've got, and now in my 30s, I've got a lot more flexibility um, to do what I want to do. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I, um, I probably finished things before I was ready to finish them. You know, I, I had an amazing life in Melbourne working for the Aussie Open. That was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And um, maybe I could have done that a little bit longer, where at the time I thought I was ready to finish travelling on the women's tour, chasing summer for a living, um, you know, it was pretty awesome. And while I was over it, when when it was time to finish, now that I'm back home, maybe I could have done that for a couple more years as well. Um, so, yeah, I think enjoying the moment, um, take, pausing and enjoying it a little bit more rather than worrying so much around tomorrow, I think something that I probably would have done differently if, had I had my time again. What is one question you have been surprised no one has <laughs> asked you? How have I... Um, blagged my way into where I am this long without uh, being found out. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 there's, there's low. Everyone's always got their story and always have their own struggles and always have their their uniqueness to their journey. And um, yeah, and in, in my life, I get asked the same questions all the time. Um, and I think there's always a lot more depth and behind the answers. And I, you know, it'd be nice for people to um, to want to actually know the how and the why rather than uh, just what the the headline might be. Thank you so much for joining me, Carl. Thank you so much for your time. No worries, young fella. You're an amazing young kid. Go well. If people are keen to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Um, you can jump on my website, experiencethelive.com, or I think how you found me on LinkedIn will probably work too. Thank you again for joining me on the Groundbreaking Podcast. Too easy, young fella. Thank you.
thanks for joining us this week. If you enjoyed this interview, please leave me a comment down below and be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your network. As always, stay awesome and share the love.